Welcome to the Native Citizens Podcast, a ministry of Storehouse Community Church in McAllen, Texas. Every Monday, we gather to address the questions and issues aimed at everyday life and ministry in the context of the Rio Grande Valley. Well, good morning, guys. Welcome to the Native Citizens Podcast. Uh, my name is Marco, and I'm joined by Eric and Elsie. How are y'all doing this morning? Hey, guys. Hey, good morning. You got to see more cups of coffee. Yeah, this one has less sugar in it. That's good. Yeah. It's actually coffee. It is real coffee. Yeah, Yeah, that vanilla latte, I bought it because I thought, and I was like, oh, that's a new flavor. Oh, you got it. Okay. And it's terrible because it's It's, super sweet. I wouldn't say it's not terrible. It's just sweet. Yeah. I'm getting, yeah. Like, you got to brush your teeth now really fast because cavities. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. In my mind, my teeth were hurting. It's like, that's how sugary it was. Wow. Okay. Now we know. Not, not my mind. I'm teeth. not going to lie. I actually had some the other day and I was like, all right, I can't do this. You threw it out. Yeah. I couldn't do it. I, hey, that's a wise man. I committed to the sugar, but. Hey man, you let your the... yes be yes. Yeah. I didn't. <laughs> um, in fact, I changed it and went, I let my no be no. So... <laughs> I flip flopped halfway through the I cup. flip flopped. <laughs> <laughs> because the bridge between yes and no is grace. <laughs> so I gave myself grace and then I said no. That just happened. That just happened. So this morning we're going to be talking about the Protestant Reformation. And we're going to be talking a little bit about Martin Luther, who we affectionately call Martin Lutero. <laughs> and <laughs> if you if you don't know, part of the reason we're we're going to talk briefly about the Protestant Reformation at large um, for Eric's sake, we'll do a hundred thousand foot view. <laughs> and so part of the reason we're going to talk about the Protestant Reformation is because this month, the month of October, it's also, um, for many Protestants, it is, it is known as Protestant month. Um, this is kind of getting ahead a, a little bit, but at one point, uh, Martin Luther, who is a German monk nailed what is called the 95 thesis at, uh, in the in 95 thesis to the castle doors in Wittenberg, Germany. And so he did that on October 31st, 1517. And so us mm-hmm. being in the month of October, we thought it would be interesting to take this approach to through the Protestant Reformation. Um, <clears throat> because um, in our context, there is a very large percentage of... Um, the Roman Catholic faith and tradition. Mm-hmm. And so it's uh, it's kind of fascinating to talk a little bit about the Reformation in light of certainly what Martin Luther did, but also in light of the context that we find ourselves in present day. And so if you are unfamiliar with Martin Luther, he was a German monk um, who, as I mentioned, nailed what is called the 95 Thesis. Now, the reason, and then we're cutting into the story pretty deep or pretty short, but the reason he nailed these 95 Theses, these 95 reasons, these 95 concerns, um, that's like the polite way of saying it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That's what you would tell a manager at Target. I have these concerns. <laughs> um, and so... He was the first Karen. Yeah, he was the first Karen. 
And uh, so he had these these ninety five concerns that he he uh, he he nailed up on the door in Wittenberg. Anyway, the reason he did that is because he was beginning to see more and more, for instance, inconsistencies uh, when it came to the proclamation of the gospel and how Rome, uh, the Roman Catholic Church, how Rome would uh, attempt to apply their um, Oh, what's the way? Their beliefs, their convictions, their policy uh, in light of the gospel. And mm-hmm. so, for instance, one of the things that was very loud uh, was the use of indulgences. Hmm. That was kind of one of the, 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 the areas that kind of just tipped over everything. And so if you're unfamiliar with indulgences, um, I don't know what you would call them, priests, friars, mm-hmm. they would go to villages in towns all around Germany and they would set up shop and it would kind of be like a street preacher and they would set up shop and they would have these banners of people uh, on fire because they were burning in hell and they would say if you want to be saved like if you want to save yourself from this give Rome um, you can financially contribute to Rome for your salvation <laughs> and you would receive what's called an indulgence and an indulgence was this certificate of salvation. Hmm. And so people particularly in the in the margins of society would hear that and they would they would they would believe me. I, I don't want I don't want yeah. that to happen to me. And that's likely the only gospel they'd heard it. Right. And yeah. so they would Which then come no forward and say, <laughs> Yes, I man, I don't want that to happen. Therefore they would pay for uh, this indulgence mm-hmm. so that they would be rescued um, from a from a fiery, fiery eternal death. And so good old Rome was making that green mm-hmm. while at the same time people thought that they were uh, being saved from right. the flames of hell. And they couldn't tell that that was false because they didn't have Bibles. Exactly. So... In the 15th century and prior to that uh, part of medieval theology or the medieval era was that Rome kept the Bible uh, from the the people, from the common people. Jerks. Rome believed that um, the best way for the Bible to be interpreted was going to be through the use of... Um, uh, I guess, ordained officials, mm-hmm. bishops, cardinals, priests, so, so on and so forth, mm-hmm. that they were going to be the ones that were going to interpret what the Bible said for the common person. And But they weren't common people. Right. And so... <laughs> Doofuses. Right. And so um, fast forward, Martin Luther's watching all of this. And at the same time, he already is having, at this time, he is already having this immense amount of pressure regarding the gospel because as a monk you had to go to confession Mm -hmm. and homeboy would go to confession every single day for sometimes upwards up to four hours he would be in confession Mm -hmm. like he was so riddled with guilt over his sin that he would like confess um oh what's that word he would confess like he coveted someone's chores. No joke. 
And even yeah. even the, the the priests, as they as they would hear his confession, they would tell him. One priest in particular told him, um, "You need to stop. Why don't you come back when you've committed some real sin?" Like what? he was just so riddled with sin, and the 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 concept of being robed with Christ's righteousness was foreign, absent and foreign yeah. to him, which is why he was so riddled with this guilt. Anyway, he gets sent on assignment. They're like, this dude just needs to get some air, you know, <laughs> give him send, a job. Give him, they, they send him to, to, to Rome. Eventually they send him to, to, to Wittenberg to go teach. And they're like, you just need to get out. It's okay, man. Like smell the tortillas. You need to go out. So he goes out and here, uh, he's, he's teaching at, uh, at, in Wittenberg, and so he's watching all of this happen, and so he's already oh, man. angry because yeah. he has all this guilt. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, the concept of grace somewhat foreign. People are paying for these indulgences. There are inconsistencies with the proclamation of the gospel and some of the things that um, the Roman Catholic magistrate was imposing upon the people, mm-hmm. um, particularly like the, uh, well, that comes after the Reformation. Anyway, so all of these things are happening. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think one of the story goes that uh, one night he's walking through the streets of Wittenberg, just kind of rolling over everything that he's seeing. And uh, he comes across a priest or a friar, someone of the church who was drunk. And so he goes up to him and he's like, brother, you're, you're intoxicated. You're drunk. Like, Hey man, you can't be doing this. You're, you're one of the leaders in the church. Yeah, you're still wearing your church clothes. Yeah. You're still wearing your church clothes. You have the rosary around your waist. And, uh, and so the guy says, no, 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 it's okay. It's okay. And he pulls out an indulgence. He says, Hey, I, I've already paid. Laminated. Yeah. My, my sins. Yeah. I have it laminated. Uh, my sins have been paid for through this indulgence. I have paid so that my sins would be forgiven. And that was kind of the thing Man. that set Martin Luther off. Like that's uh, that sounds upsetting. Yeah. yeah. And so, um, I don't know. Goes back to his office yeah. and he writes up the ninety-five thesis. And the ninety-five thesis, in its origin, was meant to um, start a debate, a conversation mm-hmm. um, with the Roman Catholic leaders. <clears throat> Eventually, what ended up happening was a reformation took place, but that was not its original intent. The original intent was to see reform and revival within Rome. Let me go to my superiors, address these concerns. Yeah. Yeah. And so they didn't want to listen. Yeah. So from Mm -hmm. what I understand, and here's what I thought was always funny, I think. So he nails the 95 thesis to the, the, the door. It's kind of like, you know, remember in college, there was like a cork board yes. in like the middle of the building. <laughs> That's where everybody put books for sale, looking for yeah, a roommate. Yeah. That's kind of what he did, right? Like this is where everybody would look at the announcements. Yeah. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So he nails the 95 thesis on the cork board of Wittenberg. And uh, these two other students see the 95 thesis and they're like oh maybe someone needs a roommate this is not a roommate request they read it they're like this is really good he's raising up questions concerns and consistencies fallacies within rome you know what we should do let's get this printed and so a couple of weeks ago or a couple of weeks prior i think the printing press had just been invented yeah and so they're just like hey man let's get these printed they print it. It spreads throughout um, the community within Gnarly. a matter of weeks. And, and, and Rome's like, what is going on? 
And Luther's like, I can't wait to get this debate going. And everybody's like, oh my gosh, have you read the 95 thesis? And he's like, what are you talking about? I just, there's only one copy and it's on the cork board at the, yeah. you know, at the student union, you know, and I'm gonna uh, talk to the principal later. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And they're like, no, man, like these are tracks. These are pamphlets. That are made, you know? He just tweeted five million people. <laughs> right. It's on Twitter, bro. You're trending. And so he was tripping out. Um, and so anyway, all that to say, the 95 Theses, again, were not necessarily meant to bring reformation. They were they were meant <laughs> to bring revival. Mm-hmm. Um, ref, uh, yes, reform, uh, but not necessarily division mm-hmm. in, right. in the church. And so uh, mm-hmm. so everything now gets gets started right where where Martin Luther's like, man, I'm, I'm going to live these convictions out. And I think mm-hmm. one of the biggest things that led to this was his understanding or in the middle of all of this, what ended up happening was his understanding specifically of justification by faith alone, that a individual is justified mm-hmm. by God on the basis of faith and not merit. And so when we get into that doctrine a little bit, we're ultimately talking about um, righteousness and the righteousness that I think he was trying to live out was one based on not only his own strength, but his moral capacity to be perfect and why he was so riddled with guilt was because he could not do that until he learned about what he ended up dubbing an alien righteousness Mm -hmm. and that alien righteousness um it it comes from i think uh it's second corinthians 521 and second corinthians 521 says for our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of god and so this is where he was like Oh my gosh, the righteousness that a believer is clothed with is an alien righteousness. That is, it is a righteousness that has been imputed, given uh, by Christ himself to the sinner. Um, Hmm. This is also known as the doctrine of uh, double imputation. That is, um, a sinner is justified where... Christ imputes his righteousness onto the sinner and the sinner's uh, unrighteousness is imputed onto Christ on the cross. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. And so that is, that is double imputation. And so he like grasps the concept of alien righteousness that I am clothed with the righteousness of Christ uh, because of what he has done for me. And I am justified before God by faith and not merit that was this big mm-hmm. it's a big deal yeah it was, it was a moment it, was, it wasn't just an aha moment because people died um so <laughs> it, you know what i'm saying like it was it, it birthed what we now know as as the reformation and so yeah. as he's beginning to write further literature um within the church calling out church leaders calling out um heretics of the day um one thing that's funny I will mention, you can go online and visit the Luther Insult Generator. Mm-hmm. It's a website online and it gives you lists, endless lists of his uh, insults to, to to the papacy, papacy, to the Pope himself, to uh, the Roman Catholic magistrate, to uh, other heretics. Anyway, 
Uh, that's just something funny. <laughs> there you go. And uh, so oh, these, he's, are, these are bad. <laughs> they're super bad. Uh, because the thing was, he was very eloquent with his words, but he also, like, he 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 didn't put up with stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I think, um, I can't remember who he wrote about. I think he was writing in response to a book called uh, The Freedom of the Will. And he tells the writer, um, hey, your words, like your use of language is is like a it's like a golden plate. Like it's really good. But your argument is like a big piece of poop on that golden plate. <laughs> <laughs> and he'd there used other language, but you know what I mean? Other like, words. He just didn't put up with that. Anyway. No time, no time. And so so yeah, so he um he, he begins yeah so he's he's beginning to preach like hey um um justification mm-hmm. is by faith alone like that that is that the sinner is accepted by god through faith and not merit and can't be purchased yeah so rome is upset they're not understandably they're not, sure like, their, their they're empires like, they're, be they're saying like hey there's a boar in our vineyard that's what they called him. They're mm-hmm. like he's he. You think about like uh, feral hogs. Yeah. When they go into a field, yes. they're just ripping they're, it up and yep. tearing it apart. And so they were calling him essentially a feral hog. They're saying like he's ripping up our vineyards. He's he's making a mess of yeah. what's going on. And so they were like burning his literature and homeboys still like writing. Um. Yeah. If it doesn't stop him, we're like, who are the ones who like printed out the thesis like to? Like make more copies his friends or like his just, well, like so other at monks the time, too. It, yeah, at the time with the ninety five thesis, it was more of like uh, students saying, "Hey, this is really good. Let's get this in the hands of everyone." Other else. students, okay, yeah, okay. Um, and then, but then, as the Reformation is beginning, he is writing a bunch of literature, uh, and so Rome is commanding people to or demanding that people burn his literature they're asking him to recant what he's writing and he's just not stopping yeah and so at one point um uh he has to to stand before in trial before like the rome roman magistrate um it's known as the the diet of, of verms and um, oh, yes. this is the the famous time where where he they're asking him to recant or they're telling him to recant oh. all of his literature. Control um, Z everything you just said. Yeah. Yes. And uh, and that's that's when he uh, he tells them that he cannot recant that his his mind and his heart is is held captive by the word of God and to go against conscience is neither right or or good and so um, here I stand I can do no other. God help me. Hmm. And so he's thinking he's hmm. about to be executed. Like Rome's like, take this guy out. So yes. his friends, his college bros, um, college bros. <laughs> his college bros are like, let's stage a kidnapping. And what? so as, as Martin Luther's <laughs> coming out, like about to face his sentence, they stage right. a kidnapping. They're like, Hey, let's take him. They stage it to look like they were going to assassinate him. Mm-hmm. And so he's freaking out. His college bros are like, just kidding. It's us. JK, bro. Um, You're we safe got now. this place for you. We got this safe house for you so that you can continue studying. What? Uh, in the right. world, they're out to they're out to get you. And so yeah, so has a movie been made of this? Yeah, there's a few documentaries there's okay. a movie out there. And so anyway, he he I feel like that's like a really good introduction, like he, intro he, scene to a he movie. He translates right? the New Testament from Latin to German. 
Yeah, I like, remember so, reading so about that. So that it would be I've... like a, a accessible to mm-hmm. the people. Yes. Uh, so like he's doing a lot of things that are just countercultural to what Rome has been doing for several hundred years at this point. Mm-hmm. Man. And so you could yeah, you could see why um, the papacy is is saying this this is a bore in our vineyard. Like mm-hmm. he's he's wrecking shop. Now the problem with that, just like there is with people online, is you take a good thing and someone's like yes, and they go a little bit too far in. <laughs> and so as as Martin Luther's like in his safe house studying, there are some other uh, of his colleagues who he who taught at the college with him, and they're like, we love what Martin Luther's doing. We love this. Let's trash, like some of the churches and let's track oh, what's going no. on. Like, let's overthrow the control that Rome has had mm-hmm. on us. And Martin Luther's like, that's not what I said. That's nope. Like I still want to be their bring, friends. They bring in more paper and like, he yeah, gets the so news. He's th- like, no, don't do that. Yeah, <laughs> so things are, things are spiraling, you know? Yes. And, uh, and to learn more about Martin Luther, Ligonier has, uh, an app. Okay. Yes. Uh, and it's free. And uh, some of the old uh, lectures on there are are all free, and it's a teaching series. Um, and I think uh, Dr. R.C. Sproul teaches mm-hmm. on a series called Heroes of the Christian Faith, mm-hmm. and he he gives a much much more in depth uh, lecture on the life of Martin Luther. Yeah, um, huh. and and several other individuals. But it was, uh, but yeah. So that's all that's happening now. We're kind of going all over the place. <laughs> With that being said, one of the things that we did want to talk about was some of the doctrines, some of the core doctrines that were birthed out of the Reformation. These are core doctrines that we as a church subscribe to, uh, and they're all in Latin, and we like that because we're cool. <laughs> and uh, and so the doctrines are... Sounds like Spanish. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Sounds like Spanish. Uh, sola Scriptura, Sola Gratia, Sola Fide, Solus Christus. And Soli Deo Gloria. Nice. So, since y'all speak Spanish, mm-hmm. what does sola mean? Sola is different from solo. It is. Particularly in Latin. That's what I learned when, when I got my tattoo. Yeah. Um, but sola means that it can stand alone. Yeah. Not that it, it causes it to be lonely. I, 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 don't, yeah. I don't remember the particular verb that, that was used. But sola scriptura stands alone compared to like needing other things to interpret. Like scripture mm-hmm. interprets scripture is what I understand about that. But so, sola, but so loose. I I don't I don't know grammar in Latin, so I don't know or what like the, the difference is. But right, yeah, yeah. solus, right. So loose. So, well, definitely, the idea of all the solas is that these doctrines or what they're going to teach, they stand alone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, for instance, if we start with sola, sola scriptura, and we're going to give this really quick overview because in November we're walking through each one of these one at a time. Oh yeah. And so, um, sola scriptura is scripture alone. Yes. Mm-hmm. That scripture is our ultimate authority. And the idea behind this is that doesn't suggest that there aren't other authorities, but that our ultimate and final authority is going to be the Holy Scriptures. And part of the reason this was kind of stamped as a, as a doctrine is because the Roman Catholic faith and tradition would agree that Scripture is holy, inspired, and important, and what is equal to the authority of scripture is history and tradition 
along with, um, I, I believe it, along with the authority of the Pope. And so in light of the Reformation, um, there was a mad, uh, not a magistrate, but there, there was, um, not a doctrine I get for lack of a better word, let's just call it a doctrine, but doctrine that came out that said that, uh, it was, it was the infallacy of the Pope, mm. uh, because of the position that he held, which mm. is vicarious Christi, which is Christ on earth. Right. And, he's a representation. Uh, he is a representation of Christ on earth. And so the, the Pope has the authority to certainly interpret, um, the, the word of God and, and so, him alone and specifically, him alone. Yes, there's him no alone specifically. And so when it comes to Sola Scriptura is Sola Scriptura, it is in direct contrast mm -hmm. to what the Roman Catholic church, uh, believes that's present tense. That's not just 16th century. Um, it is that scripture is important along with history and tradition and the authority of the papacy. Hmm. Um, the second one is Sola Gratia. Right, that we are saved by grace alone. That is, grace is unmerited favor from God towards sinners. Right, we get that from Ephesians two eight. Right, mm -hmm. for by grace you have been it saved is. through faith. It is not your doing; it is the gift of God, so that no, no man boast. can boast. boast. <clears throat> So La Fide, which is, I think, at the heart mm -hmm. of the difference between Roman Catholics and Protestants. And hmm. so La Fide is the doctrine of justification by faith alone. And that teaches that a sinner is justified or accepted by God on the condition of faith alone and mm -hmm. not merit. Um, that when it comes to works, works are the response to, um, a regenerated heart. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so that would be sola fide. Solus Christus is that Jesus, uh, we are saved by grace alone through faith alone in Christ alone, that he is mm -hmm. the cornerstone, mm -hmm. the foundation, mm -hmm. the linchpin for, um, uh, for salvation. And then yeah. finally, soli Deo Gloria, right? To the glory of God alone or for the glory of God alone. That um, according to scripture alone, we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, for the glory of God alone. And so these were five doctrines that were birthed out of the Reformation and some incur that are in complete contrast to mm -hmm. um, the Roman Catholic uh, catechism. Um, even as recently as the mid nineties, uh, the Roman Catholic catechism still holds fast to, um, indulgences. Oh, wow. They still that. hold fast to indulgences. They still, um, hold fast to the, uh, the infallacy of, uh, of the Pope. Pope. Um, Papa. and, um, that we are saved by faith alone and works. Mm. Um, <clears throat> and so, yeah, so, so Rome would still hold fast to that. Now, what's interesting about that, as many of these, um, sola doctrines are coming out, Rome technically did not come out with a formal response to the reformation until 1545. That's something that is known the council of Trent. Huh. Yes. And that's when they essentially, when Rome was, um, 
not just affirming, but they were saying, hey, uh, there's something floating around. It's called sola fide. We're not so we're not down with that. And anyone who believes that is an anathema. And you can look up today the Council of Trent, 1545, and walk through all of like the minutes. You're mm-hmm. walking through all of the things that were uh, passed by Rome in direct response to the Reformation. Hmm. And um, and so we need damage control sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So they're like Sola Scriptura is floating around and Rome is saying, hey, it is an authority. It's a really good authority. And so is history and the chair upon which the Pope sits. Hmm. These are these three are going to be our ultimate and final authorities. What the reformers are saying is, no, it is scripture alone. That is our ultimate and final authority. Yeah. We Um, can use history as a context mm-hmm. to understand exactly right but it's not the authority right yeah. it might be a bumper lane to get us back into the pages that points us back into the pages <laughs> of scripture <laughs> you know <laughs> um <clears throat> and same thing with sola fide because with sola fide you're now getting to the heart of what saves a person mm-hmm. yes. and so now you yeah, are personal. not only just <laughs> preaching some doctrine but mm-hmm. you are reclaiming the gospel yeah mm-hmm. Right. Um, and if you think about it in a, in a time where people were denied the word of God and now are receiving the word of God to tell them that, Hey, you are accepted by God on the condition of faith alone, right? Not merit mm-hmm. is contrary to what yeah. Roman catechesis is teaching. Yeah. So when Jesus is baptized and the Holy spirit falls in the, and the father's voice from heaven says like, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. Like as we have faith, that's what the father says about us. Like with whom I am well pleased mm-hmm. by faith because of their faith in what Jesus has done rather than like having to, to earn those words. Right. Like We didn't earn them. Yeah. Like they obeyed God cause they had faith in yeah. him. I think of the, Remind me, uh, we're in the New Testament where when the apostles is going through like by faith, Moses, by faith, this person, by faith. Oh, the, the yeah, is it Hebrews? I think it's Hebrews. Um, but yeah, it, it does. It goes back to you, those individuals Hebrews having 11. the faith yeah. and then seeing the difference, being able to see a difference. Oh, I can choose. And it was counted it like to see. them as righteousness. It's, mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and it's so mind blowing like that. In that time of Martin Luther, where people, some were able to go into those outlets of, I'm going to just learn to read. Mm-hmm. I'm going to learn mm-hmm. the basics, you know, of what we consider now. Of like the Christian oh, yeah, faith. Of the yeah. Christian, especially the Christian faith. Yeah. And Martin Luther being like in that element and understanding, no, this is wrong. We've this is skewed and finding that what the truth really was mm-hmm. and being so convicted, like others need to know that this is actual truth because people can't keep dying like this anymore. Yeah, you know, right. like people it, was, it was a gift that was revealed to him that uh-huh. he felt like he needed to share. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like he was convinced he needed to share. Like he, Elsie said he found it. And I think it was more like it was placed in front of him. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Here it is. Yeah. And, um, 
I mean, yeah, there's some there's some trippy stories about some of the things he was like going through. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's one. It so he was on trial before like the cardinals and the Roman magistrate. I think twice. And at one point, as he's awaiting trial, I think he writes or someone else writes about what they saw. Like he thought believed that Satan was there with him, mm-hmm. and he like he's like talking smack yeah. to satan and i'm not i'm not saying like oh he was like saying these like really you know uh get behind me satan kind of things yeah like he's cussing him out <laughs> he's in a like, vulgar like he, battle he knows yeah. he's under attack and and like he's cussing him out he's freaking cussing him out and so i can't remember if it was him writing about this or someone who was kind of assigned to him mm-hmm. and can hear him like having a conversation with someone in the room who isn't there Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. he's, he's cussing him out. Did they write about like his mental health at that point? Like I'd imagine probably not at that point. Ostracized like the ostracization. I don't know what kind of word like that. And then all the pressure of like the things that he didn't mean to happen are starting to happen. And it's on him. Yeah. Like all of that pressure just seems like, well, I know he did suffer from depression. Yeah. I know, I know, I know that. I know his wife, Katie, mm-hmm. was a tremendous gift from the Lord. Yeah. Like their, their marriage is kind of revered within the church. Yeah. Like it was such a fun, loving marriage. Cause he's so like staunch and stoic and was serious. serious. Yeah. And she was mm-hmm. a runaway nun who knew how to brew beer and she <laughs> would just kind of like pick at him and, yeah. and just love on him really well and supported him really well and when he would fall into um, bouts of depression, she'd rag on him. Yeah. Uh, she's like, are you going to die today? You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> like she, she would rag on him when he's like, woe is me. Yeah. Uh, she, yeah, she she's was like, let's known, be lighthearted about this. Yeah. She was known to, to rag on I him. I think that's are gnarly. You know the time of day? Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think it's gnarly that a lot of times we, we look at, um, like the prerequisites to make a difference, I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And like thinking of this dude's actual like everyday life and just like the, the struggles he had to go through yeah. mentally, him still making a difference, like who God uses to do things like this, mm-hmm. like that our faith is like the, the things that God reveals to people like aren't always have all their ducks in a row. Like they, they have messy minds mm-hmm. still. And God uses them to do things like this. And, I, and that kind of like blows my mind. He's like, he was an ordinary dude. Yeah. Like he's not so special. Like, yeah, he's a saint because he's he's been made righteous. Yeah. But he's just a regular dude. He was, he was a college professor. <laughs> like it, it, that's really cool. Like the ordinary, like going back to like the, the discipleship of the ordinary. Mm-hmm. I just think of an ordinary person making such a big deal, making difference for the faith. Yeah. That's that's really encouraging for right. for some reason. Yeah, no, yeah. that's good. Yeah, and so man, as we as we close this up, because because uh, apparently it's Reformation Month. <laughs> uh, one of the last things we've talked a little bit about this, and we're kind of diving back into the doctrine of sola fide, justification by faith alone. Why do you guys think sola fide or the doctrine of justification by faith alone? Why is it integral? Why is it vital for the Christian faith? Mm-hmm. I think like you said it, I'm trying to form the words. 
I think that's the foundation of it to being reconciled to the Father. There's no way we can have access to God without faith through Jesus Christ Mm -hmm. because of what he's done. We can try to find other forms. We can... I mean, there's some, like, with all the different religions and beliefs and whatnot, like, thinking that there's just a higher power, and if we are good and just moral and do the, the right things, that that's enough. And it's not. Um, I remember one of my, I don't know why I'm thinking back to this, because it was just so simple how um, I was, I remember being in Sunday school, I was like, probably in fifth or sixth grade, I don't remember. But the teacher, he was explaining justification and then just so, like, just breaking it down for us to understand and then just saying that it's just as if you didn't sin, if you never sinned, how is that possible? Like, if Jesus didn't die on the cross, how would you be before God just as if you never sinned? How? Right. Like, when God created everything and man turned from his good creation in by uh, disobeying like how like just asking us plainly how how would you stand before for god because at the end of everything we are all going to stand before god and he wasn't like bashing you know heaven and hell it was just simply asking mm-hmm. and see what, how we would respond and so breaking the justification down just as if you you had never sinned how would you you know um, be able to be that approach and the approach yeah. the throne like that. And so I, was, I, I've, I feel like I've lately, I've been going back to those, like, um, I guess not, I guess more simplified ways of just saying like what mm-hmm. our foundation is and mm-hmm. what our faith is and uh, our walk with God is. And it's that, that's by faith. I know, I believe that Christ has taken my my sin um so that i can stand before the father mm-hmm. um just as if i didn't sin because jesus mm-hmm. took my sin right yeah and he's there with me like yeah. i i believe in your son i know he took my place on that cross and and i stand by that yeah that's all and i need I, that's part of the role of justification in light of it's a legal term mm-hmm. yeah. it's a legal term that you are just or righteous but before yeah. before god and that doing is actually not of your own mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right it has been given for you and your faith is a response to your righteousness yeah. or to to you being justified really trusting that lawyer right <laughs> the the advocate yes right yes. Like, the advocate, the, the, yes. jesus is the advocate right and so mm-hmm. so he by his life death and resurrection Right, uh, justifies the sinner by faith alone. Mm-hmm. So the the action of faith is essentially hiring that advocate to plea for you. Is I is is that is that accurate? Like I don't know about with, hiring. Right, right. But uh, like trusting. I don't, think, I don't think he asked you. Do you need a lawyer? Right. I think he well, made it clear you do need one. You yeah. do need one. But I'd imagine like those who reject um, faith in, in Christ, like. And before in the courtroom allegory imagery whatever like there's those who want to represent themselves 
Yes. It's like you have a right to a lawyer and he will be appointed for you. Yeah. Like, do you, do you want this lawyer? So the point think of works, it, right? Yeah. Like mm-hmm. we want to represent ourselves because it's like, look at what I've done. Look yeah. at how I am. Look yeah. at how I live. Yeah. This should be justification mm-hmm. enough for right. my morality, me being good. And Jesus steps in and says, no, yeah, that, that's not how this works. Yeah. Um, until you recognize that you're a sinner. Yeah. Right. Uh, through the proclamation of the gospel. Right. Um, can you be right. justified? Because of who the judge is. Right. Because it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because it's like, he knows you who the know judge who is. you're standing in front of. Yeah, yeah, exactly. What was it? What was the question again that you asked when LT answered? Why is, why is, why is Sola Fide? Yeah, right inter- oh, why, why, why is this is... doctrine of justification by faith alone inter- vital? Vital. Yeah. Yeah, because I think it's I think it's vital because one, it's at the core mm-hmm. of the Christian faith that sinners are accepted by God on the condition of faith alone, not merit. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Well, we can obviously incorporate the rest of the solas, but the idea here is that you cannot work your way into salvation. You can't right? pay because for you are spiritually dead. Right. Mm-hmm. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, you are made spiritually alive. alive. And in that instant, in that moment, you are now justified. Yeah. Justification. Justification. And I think not only is is it vital, but, but I think that is the heart that stands between yeah. Roman Catholic faith or Roman Catholic tradition and Protestants. It is at the heart is going to be justification by faith alone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In Christ alone. So. I'm down with that. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So that was kind of a, a brief overview rundown of the Protestant Reformation. So now you know uh, now you a know. little bit you more know. about that. Now you know a little bit about Don Martin. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> Lutero. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, as, as much good as he did, he had some issues he's an ordinary um, guy he's an ordinary. <laughs> let's not forget that and so anyway hope this was helpful uh for the month of october as we draw near to october 31st mm-hmm. and uh yeah you should totally pick up something on on martin luther yeah i'm i'm encouraged to like do some more study mm-hmm. that that app yeah the ligonier yeah, ligonier app it's the teaching series by rc sprawl there's several series on there yeah. one of them is called uh Heroes of the Christian Faith. Mm-hmm. And it's led by Dr. R.C. Sproul. So, anyway. Righteous. At the end of the day, we are justified by faith alone and not by merit. Therefore, Christ is ready to pardon any and all sinner who turns to him in faith and repentance. Mm-hmm. Gloria. Amen. We'll see you guys next week. Love you. Bye. The goal of this podcast is to equip our church for discipleship and mission. We want to thank you for listening in this morning, and we hope that you are encouraged by these conversations. If you'd like to learn more about Storehouse McKellen, you can visit our website at storehousemckellen.com. We'd also love to hear from you. Send us your questions to info at storehousemckellen.com.